West Limerick 102. The following is the podcast of County Views, a broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 30th of December 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan this week, Jim McNamara. As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Good evening, listeners, and it's Wednesday night and a beautiful night it is indeed. And looking out at the uh, weather, it's a beautiful full moon, and I'm delighted to see Jim McNamara coming in the door. These fellas, now that we have here on a Wednesday night, they don't put any extra minutes anywhere. They really let me sweat it out first. And Tom Ryan, of course, was just slightly in before him, so I thought I'd be talking to myself there for a little bit. The coronavirus, folks, of course, you're familiar with it, you've heard it, and I, I have a, a page in my hand and the date of the paper is not that one says yeah it's May the 2nd 2020 and it was the English Times newspaper it was a full page ad they had Her Majesty's Government NHS that's National Health Service Health Service Coronavirus stay home save lives act like you've got it anyone can spread it stay home protect the health service and save lives. Tom, I thought it was a very simple, effective notice. Coronavirus, stay home, save lives, act like you've got it, anyone can spread it. People seem to have, we had the dim notices similar around here, but people seem to think that everyone else had it except themselves and not to be bothered about it high up or low down, it would seem, in recent times. Now, in... Uh, just here near us in tonight, of course, we have this uh, yet another announcement of what we're all supposed to do, and we're supposed to five kilometres is as far as we're allowed to travel, and shops to be closed down again, except grocery shops or shops that are necessary supposed to be, and. In Ratkeel, of course, there's a huge amount of controversy on all the newspapers, front page and the sun yesterday and today, all the newspapers, the Irish Times included. And I've got a lot of phone calls and also up on Facebook and on those magic modern phones, you can see huge numbers of people and a large group of men all hugging and jigging and just trousers on them and they're bare from there up so mm. they're really enjoying the Christmas time and <clears throat> I came through Red Keel on the 27th of December and I absolutely couldn't believe the height of litter and huge amount of it from one end of the town the upper end of the town down that whole area was heavily as they would say on those reports about litter heavily littered it would be described as now I have heard them on people are ringing up and complaining 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 and I haven't heard anything about a litter warden the litter warden I know people who threw a cigarette put out the window one time and they got fined and what has become of the little warden in Ratkeel, I'm sure he, they would have been a very successful few days there. 
And people are equally angry because there's no enforcement of the law, and then people wonder about the law. Is there a law or is it all guidelines? Huge number of COVID cases, and of course also the huge amount of English reg numbers, vans, etc. Even though the flights from England and those countries are supposed to be not allowed at the moment, but yet it's suggested if you're having difficulty, you go to the north of Ireland and you come in that way. So some people say we're an island, but we're really not an island at all because we are land. We have a land border with England in the, in the north of Ireland, and anyone want to come to the north of Ireland from England, you're allowed to do so. And the border is wide open, and you can pop up and down there for yourself. Um, the figures, of course, here on this virus in the area, and then I let the two lads in. And on the 8th of the 12th to 21, I think they give you a, that period of time. And there's another report you out tomorrow, I believe, for the, give us local areas. Confirmed cases in the Red Keel, Adair, electoral area, 98 cases. And Newcastle West is 73. But yesterday in Limerick alone, they had 87. And Limerick today was 83 cases. And today and yesterday, of course, was the highest ever since March. Yesterday was the highest, obviously, today was slightly lower. And 792 new cases over the last two weeks in Limerick. And as I say, tomorrow. So I thank uh, Shirley O'Regan there for providing that information. And of course, also, listeners, you will note that the age profile of the people who are dying is no longer made available, and the north, south, east, and west where they came from is no longer made available. And underline, remember that one, Tom? Underline conditions. Yes, sure. They seem to have been gone by the wayside as well, so there's a bit of filtering going on. Oh, yeah, Pat, but sure, it's, it's shocking, actually, the reports today coming out. And yesterday, you know, the figures are frightening. And uh, listening to the CEO of the HSE today, it's actually Groundhog Day now. Hospitals are filling up. Emergency wards, emergency beds are, are really now under pressure. And to be honest about it, it's a shocking scenario, you know, as to what the, what the outcome is going to be. People are not adhering, there's no doubt about that. I have got a good few contacts like Pat, like yourself, you know, the, over the past week. I don't know why they're ringing me, but I suppose it's probably the counter the radio program the wave here. And uh, the reports after matches, after the All Ireland matches, after Limerick win the All Ireland. I mean, there was the shocking reports from all over the country, also, like from the, the success of the underage teams as well. There was also very, very bad reports of behaviour and, and, and gatherings after that. And uh, you wonder, like, people are not adhering to any kind of uh, well, the people that adhere to all the regulations and that, and that really, truly live according to the book. I mean, they're adhering to the regulations and to the, and to the best practices, but I'm afraid that the the people have the, the other the remainder have no appear to have no regard for life or limb or people or contact or relations or elderly people or anything they're 
behaving like we saw in the papers today, shocking situations, mass gatherings of people at funerals and at weddings and at social occasions and at matches, whereas they're, they're not allowed to go to the matches, but as we have said in this programme on previous occasions and many occasions, they're, they're still gathering in houses. I, I'm aware of that myself, you know, people at parties and people came out of the houses and they didn't know what to go, turn left or right to go home. So, like, I mean, listen to me, Hal Martin, tonight, like, and you wonder, is this a whole, is this a kind of um, a play that's going on or is it serious? You know, I mean, the man was, you're nearly tired of looking at him now, giving out his his report on, on the cabinet of the day and the, and the actual reports from the, from the people that are really at their wit's end to try and hope and, you know, cajole people nearly now into doing the right thing. And, um, you know, it's definitely a situation that was the mistakes were made way back when when the guidelines should have been laws and there should have been a consequence to RD and the justice system should have, should have moved in in these places a lot earlier. They're, they're not still not doing it. And, you know, there's, there's only all talk. I know we're at crisis. We're at the third, the third phase of it, of a new virus, a new, a different virus again. And the question has to be asked whether or not, like, this new injection is going to, is going to solve and is going to, is going to um, beat the new version of the virus. You know, that's question has been asked and you know from the from the to the experts right the questions have been asked and what I see about it is they're not giving a clear answer. It might and we're hoping it will and it, and it, but nobody has said definitely that the new in this this new virus can be cured, you know. Now you're tuned to County Views on this Wednesday night. My name is Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan is guest and Jim McNamara and it, this program is going out live until 11 o'clock and if you want to call in 0696600 or 087 so I've got a lot of phone calls there today and this evening about this virus being so the numbers being so high in Newcastle West town area indeed and Ratkeel and Adair seems to be quite, figures are quite high and frightening and indeed very frightening. And as Tom rightly pointed out, it is all talk, it is all guidelines, and there's no implementation on anything. I had to go to Galway on the 26th, up and down, 27th actually, when you weren't allowed to go outside your county on that particular day, I had to go there. I didn't see any checkpoint whatsoever. And indeed, the last lot of lockdowns we had, I didn't meet any checkpoint either. Jim, what's going on? Uh, are the lunatics running the asylum? Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult in all of us. Um, yeah, the first one, there was an element of, you know, novelty about it, the first lockdown. And, you know, we said, <coughs> a few months, we'll, we'll get through it, you know. And then we had the second one. But that was still in the summer. And now we're on a heavy one in the darkest days of the year. And I'm seeing people... People working from home, very exhausted, missing the old company of checking with a colleague at work, you know, if something goes wrong. 
Um, so that and people, you know, I, I, an awful lot of people. This is this is affecting their their health, their mental health too. You know, so we I guess we're talking about an, at least a month according to tonight's projections, which could be two months realistically. Um, but it is a major challenge now to everybody. Um, I know that there was a walk, nice walk planned for Nagfirna as well, which it was a lovely way of just meeting a very small few people in an open air setting. And um, that's important to get out to do the exercise too. Uh, but that obviously can't happen now, I think. Uh, the committee has decided that won't That's go right. ahead. We'll try a small group of us will go and do the walk. We had no, hadn't really notified too many just in case it wasn't going to happen, but it's not happening now because you can't. Yeah. But it's uh, having, we're doing all what we're supposed to do locally, Jim, but equally it is uh, hugely annoying that you have people, and it's for all the time, coming in from other countries, mm-hmm. as I heard in some stations saying that Ireland are following, following the EU open borders plan mm. they're not following the NEPET no regulations and, you know, we so the open border plan meant they can come in from every country mm. at will now you have this thing about Ireland they won't allow them in but they told them go up and come in through the north of the border instead go to fly from it, it, it were advised literally to come in by Belfast and then you can come down that way into Ireland yeah yeah absolutely and you know we could have looked to New Zealand Pat we could have looked to best practices out there where they did keep a very tight lid on the whole thing. True, Jim, we have no, we have no, there's no checks literally. Yeah, that's true. But again, you see, you have weaknesses in what's called medical leadership uh, at the top. You have some very good civil servants and doctors who are trying their best, no doubt. But there is genuine leadership both north and south figures in the north are even worse I think it was 4,000 for the whole of Ireland of Ireland of new cases that were mentioned today Um, the south was even less than the north for the population so there is uh, poverty of political leadership north and south and (coughs) medical leadership as well do you know I mean we can't blame doctors for this obviously but um, there is a, a major challenge there to to pull the people together and unify a campaign that will uh, basically uh, kind of reduce the, the spread. But there's a bigger picture as well, Pat. I mean, viruses don't drop out of the sky. These things are there all the time. They go back along through history. And the more you damage nature and the planet, the more of these will move from one species to another because you haven't got the same space for the bats. Are you, are you, suge- are you suggesting, Jim, that it didn't come out of a science laboratory in China? I think it's very <laughs> unlikely it came out of a science laboratory, Pat, because there was no gain in any lab anywhere of creating oh, a no. detrimental virus from around the world. But it might but have I escaped. Bigger, it might have escaped without... bigger laboratory is the laboratory of biodiversity, which is We have, in the last 50 years, in your lifetime and in my lifetime, we've lost nearly three quarters of the plants and animals of the world. 
No, that is uh, that is humans becoming the problem, not the virus. So in some ways we have to give the virus a break and say, who, uh, where's the real pressure coming from here? And it is... Now, from, Martin from Quilty County what, tells what? Is that the same Martin? We used to have somebody calling us from Quilty and he seemed to disappear there for a long, long time. I thought the man had died or something. I don't know if it's still the same name or not, but I remember we used to somebody from Quilty calling us that. But what he says anyway, this Martin from Quilty, please discover about 10 to 15 minutes, then switch to, to something else to lift people's spirits. Yeah, well, Pat, I suppose he's right, but, uh, you know... And he is, yeah. Unfortunately, like, you, the blame game, and Jim has, I think, fallen a bit into that now as well. Uh, whereas there's no denying his argument, and, and uh, he's, made it, he's made it very well. But this is a situation where we can't blame our medical people, we certainly can't blame our government. And, like, I mean, they have done, I believe, a magnificent job in, in trying to, in trying to offset the damage that has been done by this, but their advice and their uh, instructions are not being taken. We, in October, we had it down to two hundred something, two hundred sixty or seventy cases, and we were in a, we were kind of inclined to laud ourselves a bit there, saying we were the best in Europe. Now we had the lowest figures in Europe, but in honesty, they were saying, look, this is going to at Christmas time, coming up to the holiday period, and coming up that we want to, we people have to behave, they have to follow the guidelines about. No, they didn't follow the guidelines, and they're not following the guidelines. And it's simple as that. And the, the people that are following the guidelines um, are only, you know, are being made a kind of a laughing stock of it. Was me. me for interrupting, and I, I hate interrupting. But you said the government done a good job. I don't think so. In England, I quoted here last week, where four different lots groups, they were fined 10,000 each for house parties, etc. Well, I've already said that, but I've already We've done that nothing about it, Tom. No, nothing. No, well, you see, this is an as I was coming to that, actually. That was the point. Right. That was going to be my next point. This is the, the, the black hole in the whole system, whereas people, people didn't take the advice, and everybody would have a brain that had an iota of cop on would know that people weren't certain people weren't going to weren't going to behave and carry out a, 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 even go a reasonable way of doing it but the, and I said it already tonight the sanctions were not there we had rules and we had regulations and we had meetings in the dollar and we had laws passed and we didn't but they weren't carried out and isn't that the way across the board in this country anyway that's up to our authorities and, and they have to accept they have to accept responsibility again but then again they brought the constitution into it they nearly we nearly went back to 1916 which is the the, the, the laws they passed that they weren't constitutional. They couldn't go into people's houses. And all these all these regulations were all put up in front of the Gardaí. So you had confusion there. But, uh, but the reason I'm saying is we want to blame someone all the time here for all our failings down the years, go back as far as, as, far back as you like, blame the government, blame this one, blame that one. But it's the people wrong. The people are not behaving themselves. Certain, a certain group of the people, and they're still not 
at behaving themselves. And the, and, and the pubs are supposed to be closed were open. They were open for all events. The, I, I'm told that places were full. Of, of, of And now as a result of even in South Limerick, and it's a bit away from Newcastle West, and the day around Ratkeel, it is riddled with COVID, like, as a result of these of these celebrations. Because so, there was no penalties applied. Now we'll take Martin from Quilty, we'll take your advice, and we'll put the foot down on that one. And just before I go away from it again, I'll read that notice from the coronavirus, stay at home, save lives, we'll keep your distance, act like you've got it, anyone seems to be able to spread it. And of course, we have the schools. We could talk for it all night, Martin. Now, I'm switching away a small bit, and this was something that I did a few years back. The t- the, the, we talked about the new year, Tom, and, and uh, the, the time of the year we be in it. <coughs> There's a little snippets. The arrival of ESB came in 1950. The mortar car arrived around the same time to many people. Television changed the lifestyle of the people forever. And people walked or cycled to church and fairs and stopped to talk. All that's changed. Christmas time traditions. They were handed down. Dance halls became common in 1930. They replaced house dances. The law changed, believe it or not, folks, around 1930. And if you held a dance inside in the house, you'd be fined. And then you had to get a license to hold a dance in the hall. But it was four old pins. Do you remember the old big penny, Tom? Uh, four pins for a dance. And what did they get? For, they went out in the rents and Stevens's day for a few pins in every house. And Holly Bush ran by Robin tied on top of it. And cattle were usually sold in December to get money for shopping. Nothing at all happened on Christmas Day or on Christmas night. People didn't visit anybody's houses. They cleaned the chimney at the forest bush and the whitewashing. <coughs> Christmas boxes, usually people shopping in local shops in those days. It was local shops, not what they call nowadays with them. Those big chains. I don't think they'll be giving you too many uh, Christmas boxes. Usually they get, the shopkeeper give a fruitcake to the, the family who bought a lot and bottle of wine, depending how good a customer you were. Holly and Ivy, there was no thing as tinsel decoration. The postman used to come to nearly midnight and usually the Christmas cards only came a couple of days beforehand they were usually decorated with ribbons and lace the late Mannix Joyce got rest his soul he used to be in Knockfair with all the old Christmas cards Jim Mackey used to be at those some of those sessions Tom didn't associate with at all in those days he had wonderful old Christmas cards he also had them from Fran Gock and from the people of 1916-1920 period in the jails in England and he left them all to the library and the university. <coughs> I was in Quadden about some time ago and I couldn't find them. Holly and Ivy, as I said, old massacres decorated ribbons, many of them were written in Irish. Canon Sheehan of Glenanair, in his book Glenanair, recalled Christmas long ago and Mass, Midnight Mass. Roast goose was stuffed with potato and onion, salt, beef, curly cabbage, rice pudding, and plum pudding. Palatine traditions around Christmas time at noon on Christmas Eve, they went out in the fire sh- shots into the air and that continued up 1950 they also fire shots on New Year's Eve and that is still a tradition that happens around West Limerick all the time and you could buy two ounces of tobacco back in the 1930s for six old pence and you could drink punch 
shopping Christmas week. All this person in the house sprinkled holy water on the inhabitants and they got up early and went out and catch the pony and the quarter a farthing was called fudge, half a penny was called a brown, a penny was called make, threepence was called a trimmer, sixpence was sixpence was called a sixpenny bit, was called a tanner, and a shilling was called a bob. You remember all that, you do. Shopkeepers, as I said, would give if candle burned down on one side it meant death in the family during the year. And in 1891, you could get a, a, a bottle of whiskey. It was cost four and eight. That's a gist of what Christmas this time was long ago. Tom, how do you find the changes now of Christmas from your young days? As I won't say this Christmas because it was different than all the other ones. Well, I mean, I'm not a huge I'm a fan of Christmas anyway, Pat, because I mean, like, I, I look at it as a religious feast. That's, that's how I, I was Traditionally, look at Christmas. I, I I was aware of a lot of the the old practices and customs. There were at the time because people hadn't any other means. To, but then we got we got wealthy, and uh, now Christmas we say is nearly every weekend. And uh, you know this the celebration. I I there's a lot of things I disagree with. You know there's a lot of nonsense attached to it. I have to visit my mother at Christmas, and what would be wrong with visit? your mother every chance you got during the year. You know, I mean, during the summertime, but during, during the wintertime, during the long winter nights. You see, so there's a lot of all, there's a lot, an awful lot of, of, of things going on now that, that are only kind of, you know, they're only made up and they're very false and it is about spending, overspending money and that. And, you know, I think myself that it has reached a real situation now where Christmas has, has become really, to me, the spending and the behaviour and they carry on in the drinking, obscene. Now, Jim McNamara, I'm a bit like Tom Ryan. Christmas, religious aspect of it, and I'm not over-religious now, but I believe in the 365 days in the year, and people should have respect and visit those who they believe they should visit on any of those 365 days, because this Christmas thing is a bit overplayed, like, and to forget about people for the rest of the year, and you mightn't see them again till next year, you know. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, 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 I understand that. I, I remember, uh, you know, less times when, uh, you know, people didn't go on the big spending sprees. Um, okay, someone might have come home from abroad and they would have maybe a gift or that, and that was a big deal. Uh, of course, I'm going back around the same period as Tom, growing up in the 50s in Ireland. And um, I think they somehow or other in the last few decades, a good life seemed to have been seen only by what you could show that you had gathered or what you could present to kids. I think the amount of ties that... Uh, if you walk into any of the shops in town for the whole month of December, even this year, it was nearly half the floor was largely plastic ties. And I think that was a pity that the children and, you know, visiting houses where there are children, you would notice that there's a whole room full of stuff which is 
quite not appreciated even by the children at that stage. Obsolete. Probably within yeah. six months mm. would not be used. I'm so uh, what, where does this stuff go? Yeah. You know? uh, anyway, that's one aspect of it. I'm but delighted Jim you pointed that out because I, I went to some of those houses with sons and daughters and so forth. You can't even see the floor. No, you it, see. It, and it, the kids. They're packed with yeah, stuff, it you know. enrich the life it of It is vulgar, child, I would think, in actual too, fact. Yeah, it no. is. But going back a bit further, I mean, most societies besides us in the Western world have marked the middle of winter in some way or other. Do you know, and there's still a nice gathering at the solstice. I mean, we have no Grange, we have Grange over by luck. Or, and that was a tradition of kind of respect for the elements. There was a lovely moon out there tonight, and it just kind of brings me to... Did I show you something there earlier? There's a lovely book there by Mike McDonald, Forgiving Moon, yeah? Forgiving Moon. It's recently launched, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Mike has won won a number of awards, actually. Mike is one of the people who will be here with you from time to time. Yeah. But Mike has a lovely book. I think maybe at Christmas it's a time, and during the lockdown as well, a time to read a bit more. Uh, People are going to be confined, and there's a few lovely poems in there, Pat. Maybe if we have a chance, we might... Mike MacDonald is, a, is the real thing. Michael Hatton will be proud of him, so says another famous writer himself, Gabriel Fitzmaurice. Yeah. And James Lawless. There's a beautiful crafted collection of poems from a writer who evokes whistling, makes haunted allure. Forgiving Moon is distinguished by MacDonald's searing empathy and is filled with moments of intimacy between poet and place. MacDonald is a writer that I have returned to read time and time again. So to Tonight's moon would be really like as if you'd be howling at the moon. So I think we're going to an ad break, Jess. Now it's 10 o'clock and we'll be back to you shortly. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You're listening to West Limerick 102. You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 30th of December 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan this week, Jim McNamara. As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Welcome back, folks. You're tuned to County Views from West Limerick 102 FM, broadcasting live until 11 o'clock this Wednesday night and repeated tomorrow, I believe it happens, 11 to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And 0696600, if you want to call in or text in, Jason Smith is producer of tonight's programme. He'll take your messages on 0696600 or 0871669800. So if you want to call in on any topic, 0696600 or 0871669800. And Michal MacDonald has a nice book of poetry out there, and it's called Forgiven Moon. And Jim McNamara, I think you have a poem picked out there that you will read. 
Mm. I, I'd be glad to. Lovely. Uh, Pull in there close to the microphone <laughs> or you won't be held in knocking no, area. It's a lovely book and there is, oh, there's a cover. It, there being a full moon now tonight, I just thought this is a time where we should look beyond the dark news and look outside and there's lovely, the road is nearly white, you know. They're nearly daytime. So uh, Michal has, has a lovely one here at, for this time of year. It's called While You Were Here. And he says, while you were here, did you splash the sun on your face, fall into the sun on Ballybunion Strand, breathe in the sun that day at the flare as they played out onto the street our Mardi Gras? Did you envelope the sun in a letter posted in hope to get up to date with the email splintering rays delve down inside for your own son hiding its light. Did you, while you were here, bestow forgiveness? Sunbeams through the clouds. Did you thank the sun for the moon to remind us that when the dark comes that it's not really gone? Did you, while you were here, plant sunshine into the earth just to see it return? Did you plant the sun in your words so that years on they might smile up from the page? Yeah. <coughs> nice indeed. Does that to no. figure it out at the same time, John? <coughs> I, I mean, my favourite poem, I suppose, and <coughs> well, that reminds me a lot of Christmas and the traditions of Christmas, at Patrick Cavanagh's Christmas Story. You know, that's a wonderful poem, yeah. like. Yeah. And uh, it's very simple. It's like that, too. It's, it's, it's very simple, and uh, it's like a lot of Cavanagh's work is brilliant, as I got it's down to it, and it's rural, and it's it, it means a lot to me at Christmas, that particular mm. That particular point. Yeah, I think Mike's um, thing is very appropriate because we do look around New Year's Eve, don't we? While we were, what we do for the last year, yeah. while we were here, and our own time here is relatively short if you think about it. But um, the thing of writing cards, I know we are going to be stuck at home more for the next month, yeah. especially, but even a Christmas card written by hand, and you were talking about them earlier, Pat, uh, it's still not too late to drop some on a note. A New Year card, you know, just to make up one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of that, a lot of that though, is artificial too, you know. I mean, you know, I'll have people contacting people now. You know, I, I can't understand that. And maybe it's my way of life, you know. But I was always like that. I can't understand people getting all excited about Christmas or the New Year because the following day, their, their mind goes blank and they go back to basics again. They go back to being themselves. People kissing and hugging at Christmas. They won't salute you the following day, you know. It's okay, I mean, it's because you, you have the cows, you Yeah, see. well, whatever, have, yeah, was, whatever happened. You wouldn't like, be lonesome I mean, with cows and cows. Oh, well, you wouldn't be lonesome. You wouldn't want people. to be lonesome either. I mean, there are, I, I quite appreciate that there are people, mm-hmm. I mean, lonely. There are people like that, that, that need support that need, you know, and, and they have the support of the community of the different, uh, you know, a lot of communities around Christmas time there, they have old, old folks parties and, and young folks parties maybe as well, so that we can't we can't exclude the youth either because a lot of them are behaving properly mm-hmm. and everything, but but, but I mean, my whole uh, 
What I can't understand is, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, wrong in the head, maybe I probably am, but I mean, I can't understand how our dependence on alcohol has has fueled these, you know, even during the whole COVID situation, everything is pubs, hotels, parties, it's continuous and Christmas time is absolutely it's a disgrace with the way we behave towards alcohol and the new year. There are only excuses for for excessive compulsive drinking. That's what they are and nothing else and you know you can say that this programme tonight maybe we're a bit morose, we're a bit downhearted but there's an awful lot of things that that we should have interest in and even talking about the actual uh, giving people giving people support and giving people a bit of joy at Christmas and the New Year if if it's that important. Look at the programmes that we've had on television. Unbelievable rubbish from start to finish. I, I'm shocked with you. Like, there's murders and there's shootings and there's killings and beatings and, and, and pure savagery being produced. And of course, pro- there was a shooting in Dublin tonight. There was a man shot. Oh, there was, yes. But I mean, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about the people that, that's been, what's been fed out to people all of our national broadcasting. And you go international and it's worth so like, I mean, now, lads, I'll pull you back in here to our text machine here in front of me. Uh, hi, Pat and Tom. I hope you had a nice Christmas. And I had a lovely one with lots of gifts and goodies. And, Pat, I was looking forward to yourself and Tom calling to go out and run with you. So I went off my own when you never turned up. I got a good few, Bob. <laughs> hi to the panel and with this awful virus I hope it will clear up soon please God and I wish you a very happy new year and lots of kisses to you and Tom and all the listeners from Polly Deport and the highlight was of it all was going out in the rain it, it was in my young days Polly but you're only a young chick yourself indeed at this stage Thanks, Polly, very much. Appreciate it very much, Polly. And, and number, to talk to all Christmas as well. Number two message. I hope you and the panel had a nice Christmas. Does the panel agree with the holding of criminal trials in Croke Park? And it's funding the GA with an agreement of 437,000 met personally. I feel it is wrong. Mike in Kilmallock. Thank you, Mike. Hello, Pat. Happy Christmas to you and the panel. I have sent on this text on a number of on numerous occasions reference serious injuries on leading sports but you have not put this to the panel can you please do so from Tom Kennedy Adair and Tom I think some other lady had to sit in last week as well that particular same one and we did say we'd come back to it so we'll have a thanks Polly for the messages and all the kisses I want to wash my face Polly for a long time you just keep washing my hands as advised Criminal trials, Jim McNamara in Croke Park and the funding with 437,000. Any quick comment on criminal trials in Croke Park? They have to be held somewhere, Jim. You passed Tom Ryan. Yeah, well, our justice system and our government, uh, the Justice Department, have, have now uh, got an agreement with the whole criminal trials in Crow Park. That's, that is the new venue for the, for the courts. Uh, there's a lot of excuses being given out, like, I mean, as to why this is happening as a space and social distancing and all that. And, uh, you know, so that, that's what Crow Park is being used for. I totally disagree with that. I mean, I, I mean, Crow Park is, is, has been built and the, the work of the people in the country, the only, the only people that go to matches there and take their youngsters 
terms of the training and all that. And I think this is a commercial spin-off again by Crow Park, you know. And it's going away from the from the core values of the games and of uh, and of the society that it is, and it, the amateur uh, ethos of the of the GA. I think they have they'd be a lot better off now if they if they took a lot of notice of what's going on within their games and what's happening, and forget about the courts. Let the court that pretty court houses in the country for to hold the criminals and and there's no need of the using crop pack and I think it's an absolute disgrace myself. Well I believe there's a lot of high profile ones coming up in January, February in, in, in which will be held in Croke Park, so it's a big money one. Now uh, <coughs> happy Christmas to you on the panel again I'm recalling not the same one again. I have sent on this text for enormous occasions serious injuries and leading sports on leading sports but you have not persisted the panel from Tom Kennedy in Adair. You're not a sporting man, Jim, on injuries. Injuries in... Holding football, rugby, etc., whatever, yeah. Boxing. Uh, yes, 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 Consequences yes. of yeah. Uh, yeah. Alzheimer's related to yeah. serious injury. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's there. I mean, Katie Taylor has been celebrated for the last month as a great sportswoman, but down the road... Um, Somebody's head might suffer. Will 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 she pay the price? This is a fear, I suppose. Um, I mean, I'm around long enough to remember when there was no helmets, or do you know you'd be laughed at if you were sort of say, going on a motorbike with a helmet. Even what's wrong with you? I remember visiting China some years ago with my son, and nobody wore helmets at all on motorbikes in China. And uh, you know, we wear them now. Do you know? We up to lately now very little. Um, but I think we moved on we're in a process of maybe learning through these accidents and um, I'm glad that hurlers now wear helmets like you know I think uh, the bit of hurling I did I didn't get hit on the head it was other things caused whatever troubles I have there but uh, I think uh, there there is uh, <coughs> A great glamour about sport for young people. I'm just watching, uh, you know, young people in my own family uh, that, you know, you, you want to be out there playing. Of course you do. And youth has a <coughs> recklessness about it always, doesn't it? So there's an onus on the managers of these sports to maybe, I don't know how you tone down boxing that you don't get hit on the head. Is there any way... Well, padded gloves, padded gloves, padded gloves. gloves uh, now, I'll come in ahead of you there, Tom, you if you don't mind on this one. And I, I probably told you this before, but listeners mightn't be familiar. I've been very involved in the GA all my life. And back in 1968, in Tuller Holding Club in County Clare, I was secretary of the Holding Club at the time, from the age of 18 at that time. And a local guy, John O'Brien, we holding was poor in the area and they had an East Clare League trying to revive holding. This was 1967 in, in East Clare holding. And John O'Brien, I asked him, would he, he was after marrying a local lady, would he join us? And he said, no, wait, we see how we got on in 67. So he said, come 68 anyway, he joined with us. And the first match was on Tolo holding field against O'Gonnello during the holding match and John O'Brien played his first match with Tuller and about 10-15 minutes into the game he got a serious strike across the side of the head and I and a few more lads took him on to the doctor 
not pouring down all over us and him. And the doctor took him in and then damnedes were called and he was taken to Dublin and he was buried in um, St. Patrick's Day, which was the following Sunday from a blow of a hurley in the head. That was kind of put me back in my feet a small little bit uh, as a young lad of 21. I didn't ever get any counselling or anything like that whatsoever. But the big boys in the GAD in the county board and all that came in and they uh, organised a national fundraising fund because there was no insurance in those times either. Neither was there helmets. That's one of my more serious incidents or involvement with hurling and and, and sports now uh, <coughs> Tom Kennedy in there I'm sure he's more referring to rugby and soccer nowadays but hurling was all, he wasn't the only person to lose his life in the hurling field with a hurling No pattern is not and, and I'm very very sorry I wasn't aware of that but, but no pattern I'd be tuned in enough when I was in, uh, in <laughs> this is in my prime in that time that those particular years and uh, I'm, I'm very sorry to him. It's been a terrible tragedy at time for him, for him for, both for his family as well, you know, and uh, especially when he had, when he was so careful about, about you know, the, the situation. And, uh, you know, it, there has been definitely tragedies and, you know, in, in all sports, you know, in and the GA has definitely, I mean, have their, had a history in that area. All sports have in those days the protection I played, I could never hold with a helmet and it was one of the reasons I gave up holding was when the helmets came in I couldn't I, it made me actually aware of injury which which you know it might sound very very kind of strange but that's what happened and I couldn't hold anymore with a helmet but um, the, the, but what's really happening now is is most interesting because I mean it, the game of rugby like is 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 absolutely no I mean they're they're shocked with the with the the findings as Jim said by the neurosurgeons uh, at the injuries to players and thirty or forty t- top international <coughs> Lions players that play with the Lions and play at all internationals have now sued the rugby authorities for damage damages to their to their heads. You know and a lot of them as you rightly said Jim uh, have suffered from dementia and as a result of that also this so rugby is in crisis now and they're covering it up which is more because I've, I've heard the debate on, on this and I'd be very very serious about this now and not having any you know listening to debates and I like to hear both sides and analyse both sides and see where they're coming from and the other few have been an absolute disgrace in their in their response to, to we had a, a, a real tragedy with a, a, a young boy I think he was 18 up in up in the north up in county Kingswood County down there in, he got he, he lost his life as a result I think it was a broken neck or something like that and matched no freak accidents will happen walking the street you know I mean let's be honest about that but this the situation the rule there will be are like everything else it is a money game now it is a hype that they're hype they're highly paid professionals and like we'll come to that in a second Jim uh, they're highly paid professionals and the unfortunate thing about it is it's been promoted by our by our schools, our exclusive schools, our ultra-wealthy uh, people who have gained a lot out of it and who have the people that, have, that haven't had injuries, and please God, they never will, and they won't have any reper- 
cushions as a result of that game but they're, they're very wealthy people now because that's the type of uh, game it is it attracts the, the, the exclusive of our society and but they're not protecting their players and now they've been taken to the, to the court over this and this will have serious repercussions for rugby the one that's in the real news at the moment is the is the soccer Nobby Styles' brain has been analysed now, and poor Nobby, uh, who was one of our favourite players, if we never followed rugby or followed soccer, you would have heard of him and you would have watched him. And he's 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 actually he he was in the English World Cup team, which everyone knows anyway. But he ended up a recluse. He ended up with dementia, and now it's coming out slowly but surely. The media, certain aspects of the media, are now uh, exposing injuries and brain damage from heading the ball to, you know, in soccer. From and look at the, the actual amount of people in this country, uh, young people that are starting off at maybe 10, 8, 10, 14, and being promoted and being pushed and being pushed by coaches and by everybody that they go to the top. Again, it's a lucrative professional game. The damage has been done, and it has been done to people. You know, we hear about the prominent people. We don't hear about the only, the only individual that played soccer on his life and hit more balls than he'd ever even calculate and the damage that's, that's been done to him that's not about him he's left to suffer at home those two areas at the moment are absolutely shocking to the findings and the one thing the one worrying thing about them Pat is they're being they're not being they're being covered up that's the only word I could use here now get back to our own national games we say like hurling and football we have a different type of damage being done there. Now, okay, I mean the helmets have been worn by, and that's a good idea. We haven't any, we haven't any head injuries, very rarely anyway. We have, but we have injuries now that weren't there at all before. We have crochet, we have all sorts of injuries. Why have we that? Due to overtraining. So our elite athletes now, as as you have to be if you're playing in the county or even at club, it's all based on fitness. And fitness, we say, years ago was fine. Fellas were naturally fit from work and doing manual work and the farm and around and building sites and everything. They're no longer playing hardly now. It, it's now been played by an exclusive group of people that are teachers. There, there are all sorts of jobs that are not, they're not manual jobs. You see, and they have, they, they, they have been trained, overtrained, and this is a factor. We're training under 12s now in strength and conditioning in the GA. An absolute disgrace. It's it's tantamount to abuse. And all teams that are out in the field now, where we admire them and they're a credit to their counties and the jersey they wear, but what I'm questioning here is the actual what goes in to the their physical conditioning. They're amateur players. What what what's going to happen down the road with them? With joints, with knees, with with arms, with all sorts of all sorts of uh, like what you call injuries that will cripple them. And a lot of people are already. And we have some people that have been injured, seriously injured, and have a lot of operations. But the GA's policy is, and the counties is, and the managers and the coaches push them in and disregard them when they're injured. 
they're gone, you're gone, you're, you're yesterday's news, no? They, they, so someone said to me, sure, that's what it's always the way, but, that, but it's not been highlighted, it's not been debated, it's not been discussed by anybody. And, and again, the GA standing by and watching players as young as 10 and 12 years of age being trained nearly at, to adult status. And that is wrong. And I, my mother used to always say, God rest her soul, as the holding field in Tulla was quite beside us almost. The infamous passing over and back. And when they get old, with arthritis and bent backs, the GA won't want to know them. Pat, the GA won't want to know them. And, 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 and she was right, and, and, and that's a fact, you see. And, <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, I mean, this is what happened to me, and I did, you know, but, but, but it's, it, there's still time to say stop, like. There's still time to stop these gurus. I mean, if if you look at it now, just, I mean, for instance, and watch what this is. This is about money, you see. This isn't about sport at all. This is about money. This is about these these coaches and experts now that are behind the scenes that most of them never got a holiday or kicked a football like, but they came out of a out of a PE like in university and they have these all these these scientific means of working, you see. And they're all being paid, you see, the difference. So we have we have in the GNO what I what I am very familiar with. We have we have players training 40 hours a week. Well, there's no one working 40 hours a week. No, that's gone even. That, that, that was even, like, I mean, that was termed too much, like, uh, 30 or 40 years ago. But now we haven't trained 40 hours a week inter-county players. And they're saying, oh, they're just specimens. I mean, they're being trained and they're being coached to that extent with, with strength and conditioning. What long-term effects will all that have them on, Tom, I wonder? Pat, it long, it, it, they'll end up cripples. That's what, they'll, that's, that's what they'll long for. With arthritis in every, in, in every joint in their body. Because with the training, there's no doubt about it, there's a lot of additives going in as well. These, these, all these what you call ingredients, like and and what these um, super duper things, like no supplements. Sup- sup- Thank you, Jim. Tom Kennedy, and there I hope that's uh, help to give you a little information on the views of injuries, both past, present, and possibly to come down the way on on, on the various sports. Now we've had a number of text messages here. This phone of mine doesn't always blink up too well for me. And the first one I missed was the people of Ratkeel have been left down yet again by the government. The dogs on the street know that a massive influx of non-resident people were coming to the town at Christmas from COVID hotspots. There are videos of, of and anecdotal reports of parties and mass gatherings which are a major contributor to the rise in COVID cases in the area. There is no deterrent in place to come the influx of people as there are literally hundreds of dwellings and nothing being done about it. And another one is <coughs> Tang's Jim. We need more poetry like that to lift the gloom. I agree with Tom about Patrick Kavanagh. Would he recite it for us? No, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be capable of reciting it. Put that up your phone there, Jim, to Patrick Kavanagh. Yeah. Patrick Kavanagh poem, could you? Is it on that Christmas? Book, is it? No, it's not that one. No, 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 no. Patrick yeah. Kavanagh's, but here's yeah. another nice one. Here's a nice one here. But Pat, before. can I come back to you? Sorry, uh, yeah. Can I just finish off? Yeah. To try and explain to me to people, and we leave it at that. Then. Yeah. Uh, this is a crisis. Like this is a crisis in sport. Yeah. 
I would advise and I would look at the situation as regards the parents to be careful that's all and, and to be and have an input into what what their children are doing in sport and how they're being treated but to give an example of what's really and a short one it costs a, a million euros to prepare the actual elite teams in Limerick elite teams that would be a couple of the minor uh, and GA you're talking about G, the GA yes the GA yeah. Yeah. for 10 months the million euros didn't actually include October, uh, November and December which were the real peak months in particular in Limerick when we won the All-Ireland but it cost over a million plus I suppose the rest of it cost another to about I say a million and a half it cost in Limerick this year to prepare our teams. Is that is is that money? Does that give an idea of what is costing and what these people have been paid, and, and how they've been paid and why they've been paid, and what are Crow doing about that? So much for, in an so amateur much. game. So much for an amateur organisation. Now it's half past ten, and we'll go to an ad break, and we'll be back to you shortly. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. You're listening to West Limerick 102. You are listening to the podcast of County Views as broadcast on West Limerick 102 FM on the 30th of December 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Joining Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan this week, Jim McNamara. As this is the podcast of County Views, the phone lines and text lines are now closed. Please do not phone or text, otherwise you'll be charged. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limerick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie. Now we're back again, folks. How does Tom Ryan explain all the women who suffer from dementia who never played sports? I suppose we'll hold that because I think that men who didn't play sports get it as well. And also, but there is no doubt about it, with reports and studies in England, especially with soccer players and that, that it has been kind of seriously linked to injuries to the head, shall we say. Well, Pat, I'm not a consultant or same neurologist at all. I'm only giving an opinion <coughs> on, on what's been discussed and I, I'd be very I, I'd be very sorry for anyone with dementia, let it be a man or woman and let it be whatever background he came from, you know. I mean and uh, so that's my answer to that caller. I hope you and your panel are enjoying the festive season. I send this text from the frosty high hills of Nakro overlooking the beautiful village of Carol Conlish. Now that there is a trade agreement and it has been signed with the UK, can you please allow a discussion by the panel on the consequences for Ireland and what are the support systems for the fishing 
and agricultural sector and what will we get from the European Brexit Fund of 5 million from Mark Tierney, Knock Row. Now, Mark, I like it. I like it. Now that there is a trade agreement and it has been signed with the UK, can you please allow a discussion by the panel on the consequences for Ireland? The consequences of Ireland will be seen over the next many, many months, I think. And what are the support systems for the fishing? Michal uh, Martin said he'll take care of them. And the agricultural sector, he'll take care of them as well. And what will we get from the European Brexit Fund, the five million, to be like the, the vaccine, we'll get our fair share. Yes, Tom. <laughs> he wants to know, Mark T. wants to know about the, the Brexit deal, oh, yeah. I suppose, you know. Well, Pat, I'm thank God anyway, there, is a, there is a trade agreement because if, it, if, it, if there wasn't, it would be utter and total confusion and it would be really, it would be, it would be a long time before we get straightened out because we weren't actually prepared, I mean, f- for a no agreement, you know, we weren't prepared. Our our companies, a lot of them, weren't prepared, and they were they were got all sorts of advice, and they got funding, and they got backup, and everything, and they weren't even they were talking last week, and that that proved it. Our shipping lines, we have no shipping lines, we have we haven't um, we have no airlines, and we were isolated and depending on other people to deliver our goods to us, and it was an awful mess altogether, and ourselves and our businesses and our agencies that are that are really highly supported by the government did nothing really and only some companies like were prepared it's a good thing actually for particularly the agricultural situation and the fishing like I hope that they are going to get get the support that they, that they need and they deserve and they get it immediately and there's no there's no holding up on what there is a lot of there's a huge fund I mean I think there's 35 billion or something that's actually available by the EU to be, for support systems. We should get our share of that. Five million marks is here. No, it's about 35 billion, I think, Pat. You know, I mean, five million wouldn't buy stamps now. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think that um, that it's honest time to get down to brass tacks now. And, uh, you know, because we were facing disaster. That's our, 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 our industry, our agriculture, and our, like uh, all areas of activity in this country. Because no matter how, how we think of them, and no matter our history is, we are strongly aligned to the British market. And, you know, even the goodwill now that will that, be there, because there was a lot of bad feelings being, you know, and even our goods, even with tariffs on them, they would, you know, they'd be packed to a boycott, I'd say, of our, of our products. That's not going to happen now, thanks be to God. And I think that people should realise that, and they should realise the work they've done by the government. We have done tremendous work behind the scenes. I mean, in, 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 in particularly Simon Coveney. He has been a really top-class diplomat and a top-class politician and is recognised for that across Europe. And I think that uh, he, he, he actually was very positive. And Leo Veronica as well, in all fairness, the two of them. They, played, they, they, they really played a part. And it's a good deal for Ireland. We should definitely, like, I mean, benefit from it. And so will the people in the north under the DUP voted against it for the mind again. And some of the, actually, the SDLP as well, I think, voted in the House of Commons against the deal, which doesn't make any sense because they have the best of both worlds. And I think that uh, it'll take a lot of weight off of industry's shoulders and it, it, it'll be a good thing for the economy. 
Jim, what do you think of it now? I, I think it's uh, being presented as the the, be, the best of the worst lot. You know, there's no such thing as a good Brexit anyway from the start. But I wouldn't be as optimistic as, as Tom about it. I think the British will buy beef from around the world at the cheapest possible rate. I think we will be seeing the British market flooded with South American beef without regulations. I think that's particularly bad for environmental people all over the world because the old Amazon is going to get squashed more. Uh, I think the big challenge in it, uh, I know that uh, Governor and Radcliffe tried it in their own way, but what they didn't do and they could have done was they could have done a far more um, progressive common agricultural policy leading up to this. We've had about a year's discussion on the present cap. The present common agricultural policy is totally geared to the well-off, to the bigger farmers right across Europe. And uh, who's going to get hit most from the squeeze which will come on when the British market for Irish goods will decline? There's no doubt about it. If you can replace Irish goods with cheaper uh, South American beef, they'll do it. They did it before. There was ever an EU and they'll do but it should again. the EU and Irish government anyway have, um, what was named one of the South American deal, Mercosur? They have. They have that already yeah. agreed anywhere. They have. So but, it's coming but England now England are free, now free yeah. of the health regulations, the environmental regulations, so they can take in uh, that stuff. Well, uh, okay, Jim, you have, you have a point there and, uh, and a, valid, a very valid point. In those are things that could happen. You know, let's hope that they won't, and and uh, will be. Uh, but I, I I certainly think like that um, that what your point in the cap is very very valid. And, and if you were listening to this program here over the past couple of weeks, you'll have heard discussing that. And we discussed it very, and we got a lot of criticism. I got a lot of criticism over it because I, I, I agree exactly what you said. It's a very very unfair system, and it's it's putting pockets. Is filling the pockets of wealthy landowners and and barons, land barons and 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 companies throughout the Linton Bread of Europe. It's an absolute disgrace. And and I agree with you there, like and that and something but I believe it is been it is been looked at I know it's been looked at in European terms is a big statement and it'll take a long time. But it, it it is under the spotlight at the moment. That that whole that whole cap policy. So we will be coming back on that because that the detail of that agreement will take months before people really like the budget. It could take a while before you really know what what's really in the detail of it. Pat Lynch from Barna, I assume that's Barna here in Newcastle West, not Barna outside Salt Hill. For Tom Ryan, is the question: How did the chairman of the county board and the Munster council get their jobs? You might understand what that question means. I thought there you elected anywhere at some kind of conventions, Tom? No, oh, yeah, that's a very that's a very open open system. Uh, they're, they're normally officers. Take for instance the county board. Uh, you can be, you can be nominated for chairman if you're involved in a club. If you're a member of the GA, if you're a council member, you can be a nominator for any position, and particularly the chairman. Now, chairman at the moment is John Cregan, a very good chairman and a very articulate man, and has presided over a very successful period of time with Limerick Man and a great with a great history of being involved in the GA and uh, he's I don't call it a club I think he, he's with John yeah, is it yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. no he was as, as
the delegated to the county board and as an officer and Drum Colour, chairman and editor of the club, he'd be nominated and you'd be it could be voted on at a convention. A very open and a very open way of doing things and always run on very, very fair lines. Not like the American presidential election now there's no there's no there's seldom a recount there. The actual Munster Council is, is a different position and again very transparent and Limlin and who we all know well and who was served his time in West Limerick as chairman of West Board for I think for so many years and served his time as, a, as, a, as a, a selector would be in the Limerick team for four years and we got on very well and a gentleman of the highest order and of the highest integrity he was he was uh, elected to be a delegate to the Munster Council which is the the body that runs the GA affairs in Munster it's four provincial councils Munster Leinster, Ulster and Connacht and overseas as well we have actually now a, a man coming from New York I think for to be president of the GA now which is which is brilliant as well but uh, he'll be as as um, a delegate from Limerick he'll be on the Munster Council and he'll be representing the Limerick County Board in all areas he was proposed and he'll be you know he he was vice chairman first and it rotates a bit in like that the vice chairman after three years becomes the chairman so that's how he has acquired all through very very uh, proper lines and all above board and very successful totally I have one problem with the Munster Council and the Leinster Council and the Carl Council and the Ulster Council and myself you have a problem with everyone they actually, I think they have too much power. This uh, and I, 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 I firmly believe that that has to be looked at, but it won't be because they have, they, they are the, they are like the actual Senate in uh, in the states. They hold the aces, and I believe myself that they shouldn't. <coughs> now, Tom, there was a request for, for you to read it, and it's come in to me. So, do you want to read it? Will I read it? You read it, Pattern, maybe. <laughs> you big words. I might, I might tumble out over a few words. I here. know you won't. It's very simple. And it's a great poem. No, Christmas. Childhood by Patrick Kavanagh. One side of the potato pits was white with frost. How wonderful that was, how wonderful. And when we put our ears to the paling post, the music that came out was magical. The light between the ricks of hay and straw was a hole in heaven's gable. An apple tree with its December glinting fruit we saw. Oh, oh you, Eve, where the world tempted me. To eat the knowledge that grew in clay and debt the germ within it. Now and then I can remember something of the gay garden that was childhoods again. The tracks of cattle to a drinking place, a green stone lying sideways in a ditch, or any common sight transfigured face of a beauty that the world did not touch. My father played the melodeon outside our gate. There were stars in the morning east, and they danced to his music. Across the wild bogs his melodian called to linens and callens as he pulled on my trousers. As, as I pulled on my trousers in a hurry, I knew some strange thing had happened. Outside in the cowhouse, my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star, and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hint screeched in the bog, mass going feet crunched the way for ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child port picked out the letters on the grey stone in silver, the wonder of a Christmas townland, the winking glitter of a frosty dawn. <clears throat> 
Cassidy's hanging hill, I looked and tree when bushes rode across the horizon, the tree wise kings. An old man passing said, can't he make it talk, the melodian? I hid in the doorway and tightened the belt of my box-plated coat. I nicked six nicks on the doorpost with my penknife's big blade. There was a little one for cutting tobacco, and I was six Christmases of age. My father played the melodian, my mother milked the cows, and I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the virgin mother's blouse. Beautiful stuff. Pat, I think the list all right as week is your next is your next call. <coughs> yeah, yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. I think he'd be on for list all. all list is, is, I thank Jason, yeah. the Englishman, for finding it and giving it to us, and I give you a copy of that, Tom, and you can be reading it in bed tonight for yourself. Thank you very much, Pat. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's lovely. <coughs> it's a lovely bit of work, isn't it? Wasn't it rather <coughs> smart to be playing the melodian while the mother was making the call? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I noted that, all right? And of course. And the, the actual challenge yeah. that he mentioned there, that's Oliver Callan. Oliver Callan. That's that family like. So I mean, it is really down to earth, great stuff. Oliver Callan is president of the Patrick Kavanagh Committee yeah. in um, in Inishkeen. I was there last year. It isn't all misfortune and hard luck stories tonight to have a bit of it would be like the bad luck stories, actually, because I'm going to China. And yeah. it was Mike Barrett who brought this to my attention there the other day. He sent me an, an email or a text. A Chinese, Chinese reporter jailed for coverage in Wuhan at peak of COVID crisis. A Chinese court yesterday handed down a four-year jail term to a citizen journalist who reports from the city of Wuhan at the peak of the, this year's coronavirus outbreak on the grounds of picking, quarrelling and provoking trouble, Allah said. Zhang Zhen, 37, the first such person known to have been tried, was among a handful of people who, whose first-hand accounts from crowded hospitals and empty streets painted a dark picture of the pandemic epicenter than the official narrative. I don't understand. All she did was say a few words, and for that she got four years, said Zhu, uh, who attended the trial with her husband, Miss Zhang's lawyer. We will probably appeal. The trial was held as a court in Pudong, a district of the business hub in Shanghai. Ms. Zhang believes she is being persecuted for exercising her freedom of speech. Rin had said before the trial. Critics say that China deliberately arranged Ms. Zhang's trial to take place during the Western holiday season to minimize Western attention and scrutiny. U.S. President Donald Trump has regularly criticized Beijing for covering up the emergence of what he calls the China virus. The United Nations Human Rights Office called in a tweet for Ms. Zhang's release. And it goes on. And on the other side of the same page... We go to Saudi Arabia. Uh, jail for woman fighting for right to drive. Now, she was on the English newspaper, the Observer, or one of those papers I saw her. She's like a lady that was after winning the Rosa Tralee. And her picture, a prominent Saudi Arabian activist who campaigned for the right to drive was sentenced to nearly six years in jail yesterday, despite international criticism of her trial and treatment. 
Lojun Al Hatal. Thirty one was arrested with other campaigners in 2018 when, as even as the Gulf Kingdom lifted the ban on women driving and pledged to relax patriarchal male guardianship laws. So she was looking for the right to drive and she got four years. And the lady in China who reported some detail and interviews with the people in China about the virus at the early stage, she got six years. Not nice being a lady, Jim. No, I think men have a lot to answer for. for yeah. Us men have a lot to answer for. Now, we don't make the rules in China or in uh, Saudi Arabia, but uh, I guess we haven't levelled up the uh, the equality stakes, uh, unfinished business there around the world. Maybe it's, it's easy to look abroad, but we're still not great in Ireland on equality either, you know? Give us an example, Jim. Well, if you look at how many women are in the door, how many women judges have we got? How many top CEOs are women? But really, I suppose, on the ability, there should be appointed rather than on the gender, Jim, you know. Well, that's kind of, uh, you know, if you don't have role models, what do young girls aspire to? How many women are on the, the Munster Council of the GA, Tom? I wonder. I don't know. I have no idea. I, well, there's a couple already. Right. There? Yeah. there was a woman chair on the county board now, but mm. I don't think this is this is a, a, an inequality problem that's no, been, no, no, has been raised in those two items the there. two cases there the two now cases would have there. nothing, nothing to, do to do with that. It's nothing to do with, is it to with do their with gender. making the rules? No, it's not. not this is about, this is about two terrorist... China on two one terror, hand. It's about two terrorist regimes of the worst type in, in the world. Men in charge, of course. Well, look, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's... The, there's women in charge of places I mean, in the world as well, and they're not too high oh, yeah, as well. We but it's, it's not. We it's, it's not. It, this this situation in China is you're dealing with a terrorist regime of that the the, the, the free speech is out. They're torturing. They're that they have millions of eagles. The Muslim sect in China, they have them in, they have them in prisons, open prisons. I mean, in salt mines and working like, I mean, and trying to change them, these people. There are millions of them in in, in a province in China. The Uyghurs, the Muslims, they, they, of the Uyghur, of the of that belief, right. and they're they're re, what they're doing is they're retraining them, like retraining them to, to to change their religious beliefs and their and their independence and their and not their independence, but their, their their rights. There are no rights in China. China is getting away with this because you see, it's a huge, it's a commerce regi um, regime, uh, dictators terrorists in their own right but you see they have the power of money now they're buying you see they're big customers all over the world and whatever about Trump is and, and his you know he's attacking them like he did nothing about anything there he only he was only like talking rummish like a lot he actually didn't follow up his talk with any he put a few sanctions on him early on but they didn't they re-sanctioned because they're buying I'd say myself not being an economist or anything like that but they would have the biggest 
American bondholders in China. They hold the biggest bondholder. They actually nearly own America. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Now, no question about that. The bank. The bank. So, but why are they getting away with it? Why are they getting away with it by United Nations? They, they disregard any, they totally disregard the tell lies. They totally disregard human rights, number one. That's the first item in this case with this, with this woman, this reporter. She has to be credited for being very brave, for even speaking out in a very, very simple way. She didn't make any accusations. She just reported on what happened, and she got six years in prison. And she she do that six years because it won't be appealed. It'll be appealed, but it won't be lifted. But the, the other regime that we're talking about that gave the, the woman the four years for driving. Now, they're another terrorist, Saudi Arabia. They are, they are, they are the regime that murdered the journalist in, where did, where did they take him from? Was it London? Yeah. I mean, the was his name? Kasigan. That he, he, was, he was a journalist that was actually writing about the, about what they were doing in Saudi Arabia. Another terrorist regime. Wealthiest in the world, their oil and their, uh, and their, they, they have actually even killed their own there their own brothers. I mean, the, the, the present ruler of Saudi Arabia is an, he's an international terrorist. That's what he is. But he's not, been, he's not been called out, you see, for the simple reason. He's getting away with it because why? Of money and their buying power. An absolute yes. disgrace. And, I, and the Irish government should definitely, and the European Union, should be taking them on, head on. Just to add on to Thomas, but there are other journalists who have vanished in China without explanation include Fang Bin, Quizai and Lai Zihu. That's three other ones. And Pat, and, and whatever and we say, like, and, and we've discussed it in this program, and maybe to the bow our head, but I haven't had to discuss it on any of our famous programs that, that are taking place in, under the, the, the auspices of RTE. We have here, like, I mean, we have always said the first item of attack of, of dictators and despots all over the world are the media. Here we are here now again, the media, people that are, want to explain what's happening. And, and just before you go to Jim, uh, China, I read there another paper, uh, China are five years ahead of schedule to become the world's number one economy. And uh, Tang's pet, that's a real treat from somebody there regards to Patrick Kavanagh. I hope it helps you to go to sleep there. And it was a lady's name was on that one. So China uh, are five years ahead of schedule, and that's the aim, is to become the ma major power. Like, And, of course, as we found out there during the COVID early in the year, that both England and Ireland and Europe, for that matter, they, they, they were able to make very little, that they had to get everything in from China, China, China. Mm. Yeah. There has been a slight move away now, of course, I think. Yeah. But they dumped all the warehouses, all the rubbish that they had on the planes and cost billions into Europe. Sure, so most of the stuff I mean, couldn't be used. It was only all rubbish, right? You, yeah. you know, I mean, they came here, and there was nothing about, there was nothing about it since, like, there wasn't any, there wasn't any consequences of people that ordered it. it. For use, the medical people yeah. said at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, they did take in the rubbish from Europe, which we dumped back to China, and they've only stopped taking that back lately. Yeah. That's know? real rubbish, like. Real rubbish. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Shiploads yeah. 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 mm -hmm. of it. But I suppose, you know, it's a different system. I happened to visit there some years ago, and uh, like us here, you'd be conscious of, are they looking at you? And, um, you know, you prepare yourself before you go, obviously, you know. Um, 
the act of getting a train ticket means you produce your passport, which is scanned into a machine, so they know where you're going all the time. Yep. So, uh, But the reality was that you couldn't meet nicer or more decent people. They would go out of their way, they'd take a half a day off to show you their town. They're the ordinary uh, people. And they were really <laughs> kind of a bit like old Ireland in the 50s, um, that they couldn't be nicer. Now, we didn't experience the government in any fashion at all. We were visiting for about two or three weeks. But the young people in China we met and they said, look, okay, we work hard, but life for us is infinitely better than it was for our parents and our grandparents. And if you want to look next door at India and the level of poverty that's there, whereas we have roughly the same population and hardly anyone homeless in the street. They are very odd <coughs> around the railway station, but nothing like Limerick or Dublin. Well, that'd be the system as well, Jim. That, you know, uh, that might be. I, was uh, I mean, you'll be home. You won't be homeless there for long because you'll be behind bars. What you see, well, you you see, see yeah, and that's I the wasn't system. there only yeah, for yeah. two weeks. So I'm not making. Oh, oh, it's, it's a great experience to have. The you know, yeah. of the ordinary people. But the regime, the regime, you see, that's well, the system. The regime. The regime, and they call the shots. And well. That is, uh, they are shocking, both of those, a disgrace, an international disgrace. Um, a them. son of mine, Kieran, was out there for teaching for quite a few months, and like Jim. Oh, in Saudi? Or China? No, in China. Yeah. And the ordinary people, he said, it was nice you could meet, but if you mentioned anything about the system of political, it was silence. It's a fear, it's a fear factor. They're, they're under a terror regime, you see. It is 11 o'clock, folks, and my sincere thanks to Jim McNamara for joining us and Tom Ryan as well. And we'll be back again to you next Wednesday night. And, of course, Jason Smith also is reliable as Tom Ryan. Indeed, never missed a night. And, of course, we're shoving up to New Year's Eve. So now you know the message is stay at home, stay safe, meet nobody, and you're only allowed, is it? Buy yourself a poetry book. And buy yourself is a poetry book if you're in, the, in the shops in Newcastle, West and surrounding area for Mike McDonald. And Mike, of course, got a, an award there for his short story there a little while back as well, a national award. So our thanks to all folks. A happy new year to you. And Pat, I'd like to say that um, to, to thank the people they send in the Texas tours every night and they listen to the program. And I'd like to say a special thanks to Martini, my friend in Catechanlish. You know, he's a wonderful contributor to the program. And uh, he'll, have to, <laughs> he'll have to come on some night. Uh, we'll have to see his face here some night. Indeed, folks, and our sincere thanks to you for all the text messages over the years and long may it continue and we'll struggle on. So take care, take care of yourself and more so now than ever indeed. And until next week, God bless. 102 FM. You've just been listening to the podcast of County Views. It's broadcast on West Limwick 102 FM on the 30th of December 2020 from 9.30 to 11pm. Jim McNamara. Join Pat O'Donovan and Tom Ryan for the discussion. County Views is brought to you by Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, Limwick and Newcastle West. For all your legal requirements, phone 061-314-948. Tynan O'Donovan Solicitors, tod.ie